0: Welcome to Cars Yeah! Show number 656. Follow your
1: passion and don't listen to people that say it'll never work.
0: This is Cars Yeah! where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Jason Len. Hey, Jason, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride?
1: I'm more than ready. Anything to do with cars is fine with me.
0: I think you're always buckled up and ready to go for a fun ride, and the listeners will understand that in just a few minutes. Jason Len is the president at XKs Unlimited in San Luis Obispo, California. He's a worldwide supplier of classic Jaguar parts and restores classic Jaguars and other collectible automobiles. He's earned a worldwide reputation as an expert in his field after 43 years of business. Jason is a passionate sports car racer who started racing with the SCCA back in the mid 70s and an HP Sprite, a car he's raced continuously ever since. He ran an IMSA Corvette for a few years, and he's raced his E-Type Jaguar for 35-plus years. Oh, my gosh. In SCCA and now as a vintage racing participant. He also restores classic motorcycles and enjoys touring on bikes, and has been as far north as the Arctic Circle and south as Mexico City, plus touring in the western United States and Europe. You are having some fun, my friend. So, Jason, I've told our listeners a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment share a little bit more about your business and, of course, your definite passion for automobiles.
1: Well, I was born and raised in Southern California in the 50s and 60s. I've just always been, uh, anything with wheels and a motor, I've been passionate about. From a young kid playing with slot cars, through working with cars all through high school and college, and then making a lifelong career out of playing with cars
0: yeah yeah you definitely have and it is so cool i mean when you look at the years you've been in business it's pretty amazing and with the younger cars out listeners hear those numbers it's almost unfathomable (laughs) this guy's been working and playing with cars longer than i've been alive so um definitely we have a lot to talk about and a lot of experience for you to share with the listeners today well as we continue on your journey I always like to start with a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your su- success. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So, Jason, I know you love to drive. So
1: take the wheel. Well, I mean, I have a f- simple philosophy. I just kind of go for it. I'm not afraid to try new things. Follow your passion. And don't listen to people that say it'll never work. When I started this business, half the town was betting I wouldn't last six months. Oh gosh. So I-, I proved them wrong. Uh yeah, I think
0: you did. Well, you know, it's a it's a really great those are great words of wisdom from a guy who's been there and done that. So, for those young people out there that are maybe just starting out in their career, whether it's a new business of their own or they're getting involved in the business, what are some extra words of uh encouragement you can offer them?
1: You know, don't be afraid to try. Don't listen to the critics because everyone will tell you you're not going to it's not going to work. I've heard so many young people say, I've got this million dollar idea and I listen to it and they do, but they don't act on it. And so you just got to have that, that gut to try it and, and make it work.
0: It's a great analogy in racing uh, when there's an opening dive in there and you're just go for it is that philosophy that ties to racing, which ties to life, which ties to yeah. happiness, right?
1: Exactly. Don't be afraid to, you know, you're going to fail, you're going to make mistakes and then you're going to recover and succeed. It's not a linear line to success.
0: No, no. This life thing isn't a sprint. It's a marathon for sure. (laughs) Exactly. With a bunch of little sprints in between sometimes. At least it feels that way. So, well, let's go back in time. I'd love for you to share a story that instigates your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment when you look back in your life, maybe when you're a young man, where you realize, oh, my gosh, I'm a car guy?
1: There clearly is. Again, I grew up in the 50s and 60s in L.A. You know, I used to live near where they built Cobras. I'd go down and watch them assemble them, oh my go gosh. out to Riverside Raceway. But, you know, as a young kid, I built models and slot cars, and I loved building slot cars. And then mm-hmm. when I was about 12 years old, my neighbor, who was a, a doctor, bought this beautiful MGTC, and he used to let me come over and polish it. And I'd go to the concourses with him, and I kind of got exposed to the whole car world. And then on the weekends, we started hanging out at the shop that restored it. I became friends with the owner. Next thing you know, I'm working summers there. The next thing you know, I'm going, this is for me. This is what I want to do. Much to my family's consternation because <laughs> there's no car people in my family. <laughs>
0: yeah, I understand. You know, TC has a special place for me because my listeners, regular listeners will know that my dad had an MGTC and I was just five years old. And I remember sitting on the left side of that car because the steering wheel was on the yes. right and his. And, uh. People would pull up next to us and go, what's that kid doing driving that car? Those uh, TCs have a special place in my heart as well. Another key lesson here is somebody took you under his wing and exposed you to cars and, and opened your eyes to what ended up being a lifelong passion and career, which is cool. So I always tell people if if you have a neighborhood friend or a family member as a kid and they're not into cars, but you are, take them to a car show, right? Take them to a race. Take them to a, a concourse event because you could change a life.
1: Yes. I mean, you know, young kids don't get exposed to enough today. They don't have the shop classes. Everything is kind of prepackaged media, and there's so much more out there than what they're getting exposed to.
0: And, you know, the other part of this, too, is the trade, working in the trades. I think you probably know this. A lot of people who build cars, restore cars, who've been guests here is finding young people that they could bring into this industry that have an interest and a passion and want to learn how to get in there and do things with their hands. Our kids today are told, you got to go to college, get a liberal arts degree. That's what, get a job, be sitting behind a desk, and maybe that's not right for everybody.
1: No, you know, one of the I think the big failures in this country is it's all or nothing. And the reality is, even even in the best economy, you only need about thirty percent college grads. But the rest of the young people shouldn't just get out of high school and say you're on your own. In mm-hmm. Europe. They kind of split them off. Some go to college, some go to trade school. And there's a critical shortage now of welders, machinists, electricians. But young people don't even know what those are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great opportunity for young people if they have a passion. And there's certainly a lot of mentors out there like you and so many other guests I've had here are willing to help, willing to offer. I've had people from McPherson College on the show where you can get a four-year degree in automotive restoration and end up having a career that you love. Definite, definite important lessons there. Well, Jason, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down, crawl under the hoods and get our hand a little dirty. And you're certainly not afraid of doing that. Would you share a huge challenge or a big failure that you've faced along the way? Being an entrepreneur is a roller coaster ride. You talked about ups and downs and challenges. The great thing about sharing challenges is what they taught you so you can move forward. So take us to that painful time, that point in time when you thought, oh, man, this is tough and, and how you got <laughs> out of that situation.
1: Well, you know, I mean, the, the the technical end of the business, I've always had a good feel for, you know, my, my degree, my engineering, I have a degree in mechanical engineering. I always felt confident working on the cars, but because I've never worked for anyone or had any business background, I would say probably the biggest mistakes were in the financial and management end of it. Yeah. And I see that a lot in this industry. So, you know, there's been some ups and downs and probably made some financial decisions that weren't. Spot on, but, you know, you work them out and you recover.
0: Exactly. Well, take us to an example so that those listeners can kind of go, oh, gosh, yeah, I've been there. I'm about to dive into that problem. Take us to maybe one particular instance that was was really kind of a a painful point for you. uh, But then, of course, what it taught you so you can move ahead.
1: Wow, that's a good one. I would say probably the biggest marketing mistake I made was about 15 years ago, I decided to get into the Range Rover parts business and we beat our head against the wall for 10 years and could not make it work. We finally off the inventory and, get, and threw our hands up.
0: What was the key challenge with that? Was it just not enough customers that were interested in that vehicle? Because it was, that's a pretty specific
1: target. If I knew that answer, I'd still be in the <laughs> <retro> work business. <system. laughs>
0: yeah, I understand. You know, I had a, a very early guest. In fact, an old friend of mine, Kenji Yoshino, who's in the Citroen parts business. Now, Kenji and I worked together years and years ago. In fact, I bought my beloved S from him. And when he was working for me and he left, he said, I'm going to go into the citron's parts business because that's what I love. And I just went, Well, good luck with that. Well, that was almost 20 years ago. And he's still in that business, still operating, still doing things. He kind of figured out that tight niche.
1: Well, the danger with niche marketing and the plus is if you're the first one in and you get that niche. You're set for life. But if you're the second one in and the niche isn't big enough, you just can't, it's hard to make inroads.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you talked about being a a good business person as well, which is another huge challenge. I see that with people I encounter that I hire to do things. They do their craft really well, but they're not running their business well at all. Like they don't answer the phones, they they don't follow up, you don't get all of the little nuances that you're supposed to get from a company. So, what are a couple words of advice that you've learned over the years about the business aspect of a business? in a specific area, specifically cars?
1: You know, the biggest failure rate I see is in restoration shops. You know, a lot of these guys that get into restoration, they're like you say, they're great craftsmen, horrible businessmen. And they think, okay, you know, I charged $100,000 for the restoration, I'm making money. What they don't know is it cost them 110,000 to do it. (laughs) So it does take really good cost controls, good management systems. And if you're not the right person, get the right person. I've got a woman that works for us in our restoration department that's uh, an accountant by trade. And she does a great job managing restorations because they're complex. There's a lot of money flying around. And, you know, it's just as easy to lose money in restoration work as it is to make it.
0: Oh, gosh, yeah. There's so many tiny details that have to be covered and the communication with the client along the way so that there's no nasty surprises at the end of the month. And you go, here's your bill. And he goes, what? I didn't approve (laughs) that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, our parts department supplies lots of restoration companies all over the country or all over the world. Seventy five percent of them don't last five years. Ah. You know, they, they come in and then they go out. Either the first recession knocks them out or their accounting is so bad that even though they're the cash flow, you know, they're charging a lot they're not making money on it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lessons learned. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a career aha moment because even though you specialize in one mark, you deal with other marks, you deal with motorcycles. So tell us about that time when the headlights kind of came on and illuminated your way for a new path or new direction.
1: Well, in high school, like I say, I was working part-time for this British restoration company. And then one summer, I decided to buy an MGTD and I, uh, I bought it for a hundred dollars. I painted it myself. I did a valve job. I reupholstered it and sold it to a movie producer for twelve fifty. Whoa. And made three hundred dollars on it, which in nineteen sixty-eight I was making seventy-five cents an hour, so that was a hell of a lot of money. Oh yeah. So I thought, okay, I like this. And then through college I worked on uh fellow students British cars, I worked on my professors' cars, and you know, I fell in love with it and I just I wanted to stay in this area. And I decided, you know what, maybe I can make a business of it. Yeah. So I actually started this business before I even graduated. <laughs> and I started, I, I started out by going to school from 8 to 12 and then opening my shop to 12 to 8 at night. Wow. And then after about a year, I had one class left, and I got a call from my advisor. And he says, Mr. Lynn, you got three units left, and we can graduate you. What are you doing? you're not going to school. And I said, well, I've started a business. I haven't got time. And he said, what kind of business? I said, a British car repair shop. He said, okay, write me a five page report on it. I'll give you an A. You'll get your three units and you're out of here. So (laughs) that's how I graduated.
0: You know, I tell you, I had a very similar situation. I was uh, I studied graphic design and business in school, and I was starting to do uh, freelance work when I was in school, and I had these last two courses to take, and they were these leftover breadth requirement courses. I'm like, God, what a waste of time. I mean, I've got all this work I'm doing. I was detailing cars at the time, and I did the same thing. I went into my counselor and I said, can't I just do something that, like, write a paper about my business? And that's exactly, she goes... Yeah, you can do that. Then you don't have to take that English writing course because right. you're obviously already doing that. So uh, yeah, it's nice when they allow you to do that kind of thing. Yeah. So how about a proudest career moment? I would assume you've had a lot because you've made a lot of people really happy with the restorations you've done. Is there one in particular that stands out for you? Well, there's a
1: couple moments that really hit home. I mean, first of all, when I started this business, especially the parts end of it, I used to go to Jaguar shows everywhere, hand out business cards and catalogs no one, you know, no one knew who we were. Now I can go to any Jaguar event anywhere in the world and they know my company, which is, you know, rewarding. The other thing kind of on a personal note is I went into the car business and my dad's not a car guy and he thought this was a waste of time. And for about 15 years, he just said, when are you going to get a real job? When are you going to get a real job? (laughs) And then when I built our current facility, which is pretty big, and he came up and saw it he looked at me and he said, you did the right thing. That was
0: nice. Oh, I'm sure he was very, very proud. Yeah. Yeah. I know sometimes when you're working in the field that you're passionate about, people kind of look at you and think, well, that's not a real job. You're having way too much fun. You should go to work and it should be dreary and boring and you should be living for the weekends. But those of us who are doing what we love, we live for every morning. And that's the secret sauce to life for sure. Well, let's go back in time and have a little fun. What was your first really special car? You talk about some of these old vintage race cars you've had for a long time. But that first really special car and maybe share a memory you have with that vehicle.
1: Well, I mean, obviously, the, the, the first car I fell in love with it was an MGTC. I restored it. I was a member of the TC Motoring Guild, and I had just started college, and I did something I would never do today. I was down in L.A. I got the car running, and the TC Motoring Guild had a meet in Yosemite, and I was working all day, so I got home, showered up, got my TC at 8 o'clock at night, and drove all night to Yosemite. Now I wouldn't drive 50 miles in a TC. Yeah, TCs
0: are, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I didn't get to drive one for years until um, I borrowed one from a guy for a day for a photo shoot. And I told him my story about my dad and he said, well, have you driven one ever? And I said, no. And he said, well, let's go for a drive. And it kind of crushed that fantasy pretty fast.
1: They're crude, but but they do have a charm.
0: Well, they do. You put those string backs on. You have to go back, you know, slow yourself down, you know, because we're so jaded by the cars we have today. They're, I mean, they're so quiet and comfortable. They go so fast. And the TC is definitely is a little jewel you just enjoy. Well, that's
1: what I tell all my customers because, you know, when we started in this, in the 70s and 80s, if you restored an E-Type, well, it was still a high-performance car. Today, a Honda Civic will run circles around a, 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 an E-Type. Oh, yeah. And so I say with any of these customers, if you're going to buy a vintage car – Give yourself an hour of driving it to get yourself back in time and in the mood because it's not always about how fast you can go around a turn or how quick it'll accelerate. It's just a feeling or an ambience you get from the car. And that's what that's what you enjoy about old cars. And it's an
0: experience. That's why some of these tours like the Colorado Grand or the California Melee are so nice because you get to spend these whole days, multiple days with the car and really get in tune because a lot of collectors, and I'm guilty of that, I have a toy car in the garage. I just don't Get to drive it as much as I'd like, and mm-hmm. for for as long as I'd like. And also, you're afraid someone's going to crash into you because they're on their cell phone, or you're going to put miles on it, and that'll diminish the value. And ah, uh, it then it becomes a garage queen, and nobody needs those, so yeah, not so much fun. Well, how about seller's remorse? Is there a car you've let go? Uh oh, I think I hit a nerve. Are you
1: kidding? After 43 years?
0: Yeah, a couple maybe. Well, let's yeah. pick, let's pick one, and don't bring money into the equation because we all know the market's done crazy things. But something that really tugs on your heartstrings.
1: Well, about eight, nine years ago, I built a 120 coupe Mm -hmm. that was pretty spectacular, and I regret selling it. It was one I did, from the outside, it looked completely stock, but I put E-type suspension under the rear end, four-wheel discs, rack and pinion steering, hot E-type motor with Webers, a modern five-speed electric windows in it, and, and that car was sweet to drive. It looked like a completely stock 120, but drove like an e-time. I'm oh, missing.
0: nice. Kind of like a, uh, yeah, a resto mod, but exactly incognito. So very nice. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Well, sorry to bring that up. But That's I, okay. I ask there's, everybody that question. I've got my own as well. There's so. another one
1: coming up that works. I'm building right now. So
0: cool. All right. Well, that is a good segue to this next question. And that is, what are you working on today that really has you
1: excited and fired up? I'm building another 120 Coupe because that's <laughs> one of my favorites. This time, I built and engineered my own frame for it. I found just a bare body, and I built my own tube frame. It's, this time, it's going to have all E-type suspension, front and rear, electric power steering, uh, modern five-speed, and a V12 E-type motor in it.
0: Oh, V12. Nice.
1: And it's again, on the outside, it's going to look completely stock, Yeah. so it'll just be a real, real sleeper.
0: Oh my gosh. That, you gotta send me pictures when you get that done. That's worth a, a plane ride down to San Luis Obispo to see that thing when it's all finished. When it's
1: done, you, you, you want to do an article about it, it'll be available. And
0: I'll come down and go for a ride with you in that thing. That sounds like, okay, great. like cool. When I was detailing cars in uh, high school and college, I had a client who had a uh, 70, I think it was a 73 with the V12 in it, Jaguar XKE. Yes. Mm-hmm. I used to ride my bike down to South Mission and pick that car up and drive it back to La Jolla where I lived. And Oh, I love driving that thing. It just was that big, long hood and the sound of that car, and he always had it just tuned perfectly. It was a really nice car. Remember that?
1: Well, that's what this will be like, except it'll look like a 120.
0: Yeah, well, even cooler. I mean, the 120s are just so iconic and classic. Yeah. So Very nice. Well, Jason, this is a very introspective question. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be? And more importantly, why? <laughs>
1: I was that, you know, of all the questions you're going to ask, that's the hardest one to answer because every day is a different mood. Well, okay. Uh, Well, let's talk about today then. (laughs) You know, I mean, the car that I'm the most attached to and that I I have the best time in is my E-Type race car. I've been racing it so long and I'm so comfortable with it. And I would, I guess if I was going to be a car, that's the one I would be because it's great looking, it performs wonderful and it's racing.
0: Uh that's what I love well, they're just such beautiful cars. That's the car that started it for me. Uh, my dad had a friend that had one when I was a little little kid. My first Matchbox by Lesney is an E Type Jaguar. I still have it sitting here behind me in my cabinet, full of cars. So yeah, uh, I'd love to have one of those someday. And I can't imagine what it's like to to race them. I mean, it, it, just give us a little little hint of what that's like to race an E Type because you've they done it sat, for a long
1: time. For yeah, about thirty five years I've been racing this car. It's a great motor. They they rev, they got good mid-range torque, they sound wonderful, good brakes. The the nice thing about all British cars is the track to wheelbase ratio tends to be a little bit on the long and narrow side, which makes drifting a much easier, you know, cars that are wide and squat don't like to drift as easy, they tend to want to spin, so it's a great car, you can toss it around and it doesn't get away from you and it's just a fun car to drive. Uh, and it's fun when I beat a Cobra or a Corvette <laughs> as I'd expect it.
0: Yeah, I'll bet. Absolutely. Think, oh, what About are you doing? Three years here? ago,
1: I had my ultimate race weekend at it, it, Vera has what they call the Big Boar Bash. Uh-huh. And it's a race for all, mostly V8s. Yeah. And I had my E-Type there. And, you know, every once in a while, every blue moon, you get a perfect weekend. I, I qualified second. I won the qualifying event and I won the main event. It just doesn't get any better now.
0: No, no, it doesn't. Man, that sends you home with a big smile on your face. That's it. Very nice. Well, thanks for sharing a few laps with us there. So, Jason, up next is the last lap. So, before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's car show sponsors. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right. 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra sipc Okay, Jason, we are back and we're entering the last lap. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received?
1: I had a professor in college that encouraged me to work on Jaguars. I guess that was it. That's
0: rare. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. That's pretty he was rare. You were a Jaguar
1: too. enthusiast. And, and I, when we studied engineering, all the engineering problems were based on Jaguar motors. <laughs> so it got me hooked on them.
0: Well, he was having some fun with his career as well. So very yes. cool. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years?
1: Well, my wife always tells me I'm an optimist and I have vision. So I am you know I can I can envision things that can be, and I'm an optimist, I'm not afraid to try, and I'm always willing to overcome an adversity.
0: Very nice. Now how about a resource? There's a lot of great resources out there, but is there one in particular you could share? Wow.
1: wow. You know, there's so much information out there now. You know, I used to have huge collections of manuals and books and magazines, and now it's all on the Internet. So, I mean, almost any bit of information you want is right out there.
0: And even more. So uh, I think the Internet would probably be your answer or just Google it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is incredible what we can tap into now. You think about uh, the pre-computer days and how hard it was to get information on vehicles and, I mean, it just took so much
1: longer. I'll tell you a little quick embarrassing story. In my in my home garage, I work on engines at night. And, you know, I got my collection of manuals there. I've gotten so lazy now. Instead of walking over to look up a torque spec for the cylinder head, <laughs> I pull out my cell phone <laughs> and Google it. Yeah. And it just tells me.
0: Hey, Siri, what's the torque for the head right. on a – yeah, exactly. But it's there. And you're going to laugh because uh, sitting in front of me is my iPhone. And when I said, hey, Siri, she just popped up and said, how can I, <laughs> how can I help you? So uh, not right now, Siri. We're in the middle of a conversation. How about a book? Is there a book you've read that you'd like to share
1: with our listeners? You know, I've read so many car books.
0: And it could be a business
1: book. It could be a motivation book. I'll one, you one book that did change my life that doesn't have anything to do with cars, though, is about 10 years ago, I read Jupiter's Travels. Oh, okay. Which is about a journalist that travels around the world on a motorcycle. And since then... I've really gotten the bug to travel and I've, I've done a lot of traveling on motorcycles and it's been a great experience.
0: Ah, uh, yes. Very nice. I know that book well. Well, listeners, you can find all these great resources. Jason's been so kind to share on his show notes page at com slash Jason Len, L-E-N is the spelling of his last name. And there's another great place on the Carjad yeah website called guest recommended books where this book and the past 655 guest books are listed for quick, easy clicks to buy. It's an awesome reference point if you enjoy books, both business, inspirational, and car books, of course. All right, we're up to the checkered flag, Jason, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, yeah, I said just one, but money's no object. I'm going to buy you anything you'd like today. What would that vehicle be and Why?
1: It's going to have to be either an E-type Roadster or a, one, a 120, 140 drophead, something like that. I mean, you know, I've made my whole life with Jaguars, and they're a big part of my life. And, and, and I fall in love with cars for emotional reasons. You know, a car that's worth $50 million doesn't do anything more for me than a $50,000 car if I love the car and I have a good time with it.
0: Well, let's narrow this down because I can't let you get away with not making a definitive choice. So those past 655 guests are going to start calling going, why'd you let him get away with not okay. picking one? a 120
1: so- fixed head coupe. Okay,
0: 120 fixed head coupe. Okay, what uh, th- What years of those vehicles were they made? Uh, 50 to 54. So let's narrow it down to a year. Well, 54. The last year. Yeah, you yeah I mean, they're
1: always the best
0: they're always the best. And what color would you like that uh, 120 to be in?
1: Oh gosh, you're getting brutal now. O- of
0: course, of course. Well,
1: by instinct, pick British racing green, but my wife says no more British racing green cars. She <laughs> <laughs> got a garage full of them. Yeah. Oh, maybe dark silver. Uh I love I've done several of them in black and they're gorgeous. Oh yeah. It's just I'd have to have a staff to keep it clean because, man, they're beautiful cool to keep clean.
0: I, uh, you know, I love the color black. I could never own a black car, though. I'm way too picky. I just would go insane because it, it's clean until you pull it out of the garage. So, yes. Very nice. Well, let's go with like a beautiful silver, maybe a, a blood red interior, something like that. That rich, dark, wonderful color. And that's
1: that last one I did was like a gunmetal gray silver with a. a Blood red leather interior. Ah, nice.
0: Yeah, sounds fantastic. Well, nice choice, my friend. You have taken us on a great British ride today through the English countryside in a Jaguar. <laughs> I really enjoyed getting to know you better today. And I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Carshell yeah, listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you head off into the sunset in that 120 fixed head?
1: Enjoy your car. Don't look at it as an investment, look at it as a toy that, that brings you a lot of joy.
0: Yes, oh, so important. Get out and drive it. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your business?
1: Uh, our website, www.xks.com, or go to Jay Leno Garage. I've got uh, five videos there. You'll see about me and a lot of the cars I've done.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I'm I'm so happy you mentioned that because I've watched those videos. I'm jealous. I'd love to have Jay Leno on this show. One day, I'm going to finally be able to nail that guy down. My, my sister was just in Vegas last weekend, and or actually last night and saw him play in Vegas. And, um, I said, Hey, well, you know, ask him if he'd give me a call. So <laughs> she said, well, he was kind of busy. So I wasn't <laughs> able to talk to him, but I'll get it's him on. Yeah. He is a busy. Oh my gosh. He's incredible. That's what his secretary has told me. Why it's hard for me to nail him down. Well, listeners, you will find links to everything Jason's been so kind to share on his show notes page again at com slash Jason Alan. Just type Jason in the search bar. That page will pop up. I would encourage you to check out what he's doing. Go to his website. You'll see all the great projects. I'll link to the videos with Jay Leno so you can see a little bit more about what he's all about. Definitely a guy who's living the passion, living the dream. Jason, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road.
1: My pleasure. It's been fun.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah!